wanted to just like really like remind Jewish people like, hey, we've actually been in this anti-fascist fight for a long time, like as Jews. And like, we actually have like a very important place within this movement. So yeah, bringing in the histories of our anti-fascist struggle as Jews felt like a really important way to, to anchor our continued visioning. Welcome to Disloyal, a podcast from the Jewish Museum of Maryland. I'm your host, Mark Gunnery. Today on the show, we're continuing our series on a fence around the Torah, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's latest contemporary art exhibit. It explores how Jewish communities navigate the concepts of safety and unsafety in traditional, contemporary, and futuristic ways. I'm speaking with the artists and curators who made the exhibit possible. You can experience the art from this exhibit at AffenseAroundTheTorah.com. And today, I'm talking to two people who contributed quite a bit to Offense Around the Torah and to this podcast. I'm joined by Ami and Naomi Weintraub, who together are Rage Collective, or the Rebellious Anarchist Young Jews Collective. Art by both Ami and Naomi is featured in Offense Around the Torah. Ami Weintraub is a teacher, organizer, and writer. They are a rabbinical student in the Olive Ordination Program and founded and runs Ratzon, Center for Healing and Resistance. Ami, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Naomi Weintraub is an artist and educator currently working as a community artist in residence here at the Jewish Museum of Maryland in Baltimore, and I will note is also production assistant on this podcast. Hi, Naomi. Hey, Mark. <laughs> Ami, I'm going to start with you. First, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your art and the Rage Collective and why you wanted to get together with your sibling to make this collective? Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> yeah, I'm Ami. So I created this art, but I also do primarily a lot of writing as well. And a lot of the themes that I work with is how do you love land, love yourself, love your community in the midst of anti-Semitism. And I connect a lot to the anti-Semitism that I've experienced in Pittsburgh and using that as a sort of through line to connect to the anti-Semitism that my ancestors experienced in Eastern Europe prior to immigrating to the U.S. and upon immigration as well here. So I think that desire to like know like what was their life like how does it, how could it help me to form a strong Jewish life now um, has been like a main motivation behind my art and my writing and my organizing generally. We were both part of um, a youth movement called Haponim Joy, which is revolutionary socialist youth movement that's also Zionist. And for a long time, we were like learning, you know, how to organize, how to connect to our Jewish culture in this revolutionary way. And then slowly and slowly, we started to interact more with this Zionism pillar, as they called it. And over and over, we kind of ran into pushback whenever we tried to critique or shift or talk about like the prominence of Zionism within our movement. And that led to us ultimately breaking with the movement with Habonim Jor, which was like emotional for both of us. But in that absence, we didn't want to say, okay, all of this learning we've done about how to organize as Jewish people and all of this love we have for being like revolutionary Jewish people, we don't want that to just disappear. So what do we create in that wake? And 
at the same time, both Naomi and I were getting involved in anarchist organizing as well. And in those spaces, we were feeling that there wasn't that much space for us to like be Jewish and for us to show this part of ourselves that came from Habonim, which was, we know how to be revolutionary Jewish people. So rage kind of came about at this moment of how do we be anarchist in Jewish spaces and how do we be Jewish in anarchist spaces and who else wants to do this with us? Well, Ami, do you mind telling me about how Rage started and and what you all were doing in your early days? We started mostly like how most collectives start, like a lot of people kind of get involved and want to talk and have ideas. And then after some amount of time, like maybe a year or two, people just like dropped off and like me and Naomi even stopped organizing essentially around this concept. And then with the Tree of Life shooting, Naomi created this like beautiful poster that that says Care Not Cops and put it on Facebook and it went viral like all over, like people were sharing it. And that started to kind of bring us into this awareness of, hey, there's people out there who want anarchist Jewish art and they want anarchist Jewish culture and thought. So we started to create, Naomi would create art and I would create writing primarily. And we just posted on Facebook and started to like slowly, slowly build up a community of people who were engaging with our work and excited about it. And that's kind of how we grew into like a artistic, creative culture making group. And we also would create these um, Shabbat guides as well, like ritual guides. So one of our ideas is to use existing cultural frameworks that we have within the Jewish community to disseminate new ideas. So we would take like Shabbat or Pesach or Purim and kind of see that as like a site of like community gathering that we could shed new ideas into. So our like Shabbat guides were like an anti-fascist Shabbat. Like how do you bring anti-fascist history and ideas and dreaming into your Shabbat? And Naomi made this beautiful kids Passover coloring book that like brought kids into these kind of like revolutionary ideas about Passover. So that's primarily how we've organized and slowly like meeting people through that as well to make it more material in the real world too. Yeah. And this is Naomi speaking. I wanted to add when we started, we definitely saw ourselves as trying to create content that we wanted to see that we weren't seeing online about Jewish anarchism. We had like a lot of love for Judas, which is a Jewish anarchist collective in the UK, but we didn't see that happening in North America. And as the years have gone like we've slowly moved out of the social media world we don't have a facebook we don't have an instagram because the need to be on those platforms wasn't prominent anymore there were other people sharing that work and we really wanted to focus on our creations and putting them out when they need to be and one thing that the pandemic really stirred for us was the our desire to connect with other Jewish anarchists in a social way. So during the pandemic, we led about two months of online weekly Havdalah and, and conversation about Jewish anarchism. And that was an amazing way to just see who was out there and who was interested in these topics and um, and really grow the community of people who are just confident about saying, I want to learn about Jewish anarchism. Can you explain, though, what exactly you mean by Jewish anarchism? I'm, I'm curious what, what you both mean by that, like whether you can talk about the history or like contemporary incarnation of it. Can you yeah, share what you mean by Jewish anarchism? 
Well, one piece that I hold very close is the belief that following Jewish time, which is to say following the Jewish calendar, practicing Shabbat every week is an act of resistance to Christian hegemony and capitalism. And I think that that was a a big starting point for me, at least in understanding my Jewish anarchism and how can I take specifically from Jewish practices that I've already been taught and see them as a way of guiding my anarchist ideology. Ami, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, that's beautiful, Naomi. Yeah, because I think that's, yeah, a big thing I think when we were thinking is like, we don't want our anarchist organizing to just kind of come from the foundation from like nowhere or like often like primarily like Christian whiteness, like unexamined Christian whiteness. So like by rooting our anarchist organizing deeply within our Jewish tradition, like Naomi says, it helps to make sure that everything is growing from this Jewish place, which as Naomi described is like for us a way of challenging Christian hegemony, et cetera. So I think one of the parts of like my exploration of Jewish anarchism has been like the question that I think anarchists ask all the time, like what is the world that we want to build? Like how do we imagine ourselves in the future? How do we build a world that like allows us to live fully and to be ourselves as fully as we can be? And, you know, I'm also queer and trans and like those were questions that I was asking a lot in like my trans circles. And I wanted to like ask that for to Jewish people too, to say, hey, Jewish people, like, what does our like liberation look like? What does our safety look like? What does our future look like? And I think we've been given a lot of options for what that can look like. Like assimilate into <laughs> American culture, go to Israel and like have your safety and future there. But none of those answers are satisfying to me. And none of those like also accomplish my like anarchist dreams of like a revolutionary caring world so kind of asking myself like no what what is like actual liberation for myself and for Jewish people is like one of the core questions that I bring up and and what's stopping us from getting that and that brings me into like places of the ancestral trauma that we carry like our disenfranchisement from the lands that for like Ashkenazi Jews that we came from in Eastern Europe are like being forced into this relationship with Israel are like being pushed into assimilation in America. So kind of positioning from that angle and having like analysis of like a lot of like indigenous folks and black folks and like trans and queer folks to say like, what does it mean to liberate ourselves from hegemonic society? That has definitely been a core aspect of what Jewish anarchism means to me. And let me ask you, Naomi, so you know, like I said, you're both part of Rebellious Anarchists, Young Jews. You both also were recently featured in the anthology, There's Nothing So Whole as a Broken Heart, Mending the World as Jewish Anarchists, that was edited by Cindy Milstein. There seems to be a lot of Jewish anarchist culture happening these days, and I'm wondering if you could speak on that and why you think it's important to be making explicitly Jewish and anarchist culture and art. That's a great question, Mark. I first off want to say that there's a lot of ways to answer that question. This is just one of the ways that I've found an answer to that. So I think especially during the pandemic, in this hard time, a lot of people have turned to everyday rituals to find some kind of 
balance and grounding in their life. And I think for a lot of Jewish people, that means coming back to their Jewish ritual. I think that this is really similar to my concept of building the world to come, which is that rebellion and being rebellious is about making everyday choices in a path that's rooted in values of justice, love, and collective liberation. So I've really understood this as like partaking in ritual requires us to pause, reconnect with our history, and revel in our present. You know, ritual is a full body expression of hereness. When we look to our ancestral rituals, whether this is like Jewish ritual or any ancestral ritual, we learn more about the survival, connection, and transformation that people in the past have gone through. And I think a lot of people are doing that now because we're in such a weird situation of how do we move forward when we don't see any path that we've ever looked at before. I think Ami was saying this earlier, but as a Jewish queer person living in America, when I choose to continue my ancestral traditions, I'm turning back on assimilation in the world of normalcy and choosing a path of rebellion. So I think it really is about reconnecting people with those rituals that are not just ancestral, but also are part of this world that they hope to see. And that concept of reinventing ritual, it's, it's not new. It's been a part of artists' work for centuries. So I think that's a huge why reason it's impacting culture. Yeah, and I think that that ties in really nicely to the piece that you submitted to Offense Around the Torah, which is called Jewish Ritual as Rebellion. Can you tell us about that piece? Jewish Ritual as Rebellion is actually was first created as a multimedia installation for my senior thesis art show in college. In that form, it was a video which included also a table of ritual objects, and I hosted a ton of like public events in that space. But at the museum, it exists just as in its video form. Um, the video features sounds, music, and interviews from my mom, my friends, and then a found recording from our great-grandmother singing a Yiddish song, and featured as different pieces of Jewish ritual that have helped guide me on a rebellious path. The piece is very autobiographical. I'm in conversation with artists and family, but it's also hopefully trying to create sort of a example of how we can rethink Jewish life as a organizing project almost, as a resistance. Can I say one thing on that name real quick? Yeah. And one thing that I love also about the piece so much is it's really showing the generations as well. That's like when we do this work in the present, it's bringing in our great grandparents, it's bringing in like, there's like little voices of like kids running around and that recording of our great grandmother, it's bringing in those children, it's bringing in our mother, it's bringing in Naomi as like this new, the one today, but it's not like Naomi stands there alone. And I think that that's what's so powerful about like Jewish anarchist organizing specifically is like, we're doing it with and for our ancestors and we're doing it with and for our like future generations. Yeah, it gives me chills to to feel that power and to like know that we are continuing their work, even if they weren't specifically anarchists, like they, you know, schlepped all the way over to America to try to create a better life for them. And like what we can do is like uplift their voices as well continue to build that world for them. Right. And I think too, like making the work is 
extremely intimate in some ways. So sometimes I, when I see people listening to the video in the exhibit, I get a little self-conscious, but I think it's also very healing for myself and, and my past generations, our ancestors. Before the, uh, the fence around the Torah exhibit opened, there was an interview on WYPR of Leora and Saul speaking about the exhibit and they played a piece of my video and we got some feedback from a woman who had never engaged with her Judaism before, but she wrote and said that just listening to the sound of my great grandmother singing Yiddish songs made her weep. And it was such an intense realization for me that, I mean, that was my reaction too when I first heard it, but it was this idea that like through my own cultural healing and through my creative expression, I'm able to help other people access and figure out how they want to express parts of themselves as well. Mm-hmm. That was really meaningful. And one thing that makes me think of too is when you said intimacy is like your willingness to go there and have that vulnerability and have that intimacy allows other people to go there too. And I think that's one of the things that is so beautiful about doing this Jewish anarchist work is that seeing people go to those places inside themselves that maybe they've put aside because of family difficulties or anti-Semitism or assimilation and like start to go back into that place that's like very vulnerable and very intimate and helping people like bring that back out into the world. And so I just like hear that reflected in that story, Naomi, as well. Ami, I want to ask you about the pieces that you submitted to Offense Around the Torah. Can you tell me about the poster, Lador Vador, both the poster itself and the photos of it that are on view in the gallery? So I live in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and I am very connected with the Tree of Life, Dor Hadash Synagogue. I'm a teacher there, and I've I went there for synagogue off and on prior to 2018, and then I started teaching there in 2018. And I've been really involved in doing like healing work for young adults and children um, and teenagers like since that 10, 27, 2018. Last year in 2020, I think, 2021, 2020, um, it was the pandemic. And I was like, how are we gonna do a commemoration when we can't get together? And I also had this really big urge and like yearning. I was like, I want to make something that's beautiful. Like I want to create something that makes Jewish people feel worthy and feel beautiful and feel part of the city. So just the night before, like 10, 26, maybe I was at Red Zone and just like cutting paper out and doing this whole thing. And a friend um, who works in the building helped me like photocopy the piece. Um, and what it is, it's like a paper cut tree. And then in the background is like a letter that I wrote to myself, kind of like processing my feelings. Um, and then on top of it, it says Lador Vador at the top and then Aleinu on the bottom, Lador Vador meaning from generation to generation and Aleinu meaning it is upon us. And it says, we remember, we rise, we resist. And then there's like 11 leaves falling from the tree. And our group of friends went and we pasted it around the city. And then, you know, throughout the next few days people were texting to like group chats like oh my god did you see that art piece like it was so cool walking outside and seeing it like who did this and just seeing people responding with like wow something beautiful happened that was like for me as a Jewish person just made me really happy and then we slowly started to notice like throughout the week that first it was like one poster and then it was like a few posters that there had been someone going and like slashing out 
like specifically the Hebrew on the posters. And it just gave me like the eeriest, like creepiest feeling. But it also is like, and this art is living and like, look, we create something beautiful for ourselves and like, looks, look what happens on the street. And it became like also this um, kind of mirror of the story that is happening in Pittsburgh. So it's disturbing for me to look at those photos, but I'm also grateful that it actually captures like <laughs> the intensity of emotion that is is felt here right now. Yeah, and and the art, the poster, well, both of your contributions to the show are in the section of Offense Around the Torah that deals with safety in which asks the question, how does the issue of safety in Jewish spaces connect to broader conversations about safety, justice, and policing in the greater community? And I'm curious how you see this poster in conversation with that question. I guess like there's two, or there's probably many aspects of it, but one aspect is like, this was a moment when we were very, very, very unsafe. And obviously like, yeah, the 1027 has been I think a shattering for many people of like an idea of guaranteed safety in this country. So I think it speaks to that of here's what it feels like to be very, very unsafe. And then it also like offers a solution. It's like, we're not going to, it doesn't say Lador Vador, we call the police. <laughs> we, um, we stop forming solidarity with others, et cetera. Like, it's like, no, we're going to remember, we're going to rise and we're going to resist. And it calls back to like the history of our ancestors. Like I have mentioned this before, but like Alenu, that prayer was said by like the first people who were killed for blood libel, Jews killed for blood libel in, in France. And they were like being burned in a fire and they were saying the Alenu. And then it became part of the prayer service because um, of the history of like martyrology becoming part of prayer services. It's so like that prayer, like it is upon us, you know, brings us back to that moment of like long ago ancestors also being part of this resistance. And for so long, Jews have <laughs> resisted the state and resisted the police and like been enemies of the police. And I think when we're thinking of like, how do we create safety right now? I want us to remember like that we can fight for ourselves, that we can protect ourselves and we can do that also in community with others who are similarly trying to protect themselves without the police um which is the majority of the globe i would say <laughs> so those are some of the ways that it connects to my concept of safety naomi do you have any thoughts about that about how you and ami's pieces are responding to these questions about safety i think when we first started rage we really thought of it as a opportunity to use creative expression to answer a question of what is jewish safety i feel like in a lot of ways we've been i remember one of the, some of the first conversations was just like oh my gosh there's going to be so many police at synagogues now what are we going to do this is horrible and just thinking about um that as an anchor a lot to some of our work of trying, yeah, just trying to create that alternative of how to react to legitimate fear um, has been huge. And so this show felt like a good opportunity to kind of show some of the work that we've been making that's in response to that question. I think also the thing too of like, and how do we be safe as like visible 
Jews like visible in our way. And like, I remember Naomi, like you were often, you know, talking about like, we post stuff on the internet, like we're going to have trolls, you know? And I feel like even these posters, it's like we post, put the posters outside and we had like street trolls essentially. And so like that question too, of like, we no, we, we want to, we don't want to hide, but we don't actually want to stop creating this art and we don't want to stop being Jewish. So that resistance is like showing ourselves as part of the resistance, I think. Can we go back to something that you all brought up earlier, which is talking about, you know, ritual as rebellion and specifically anti-fascist Shabbat? Can I hear a little bit more about anti-fascist Shabbat? Well, the Jewish anti-fascist Shabbat guide really came from us wanting to have an anti-fascist Shabbat and then saying we should make a guide for it and share it with people. And also this was an attempt to kind of ask people to be a part of what we were doing. So we were asking people to lead the Shabbat in their communities. And it was also on the anniversary of the, of 1027 as well. So it was kind of like our way of being like, how do we do like a diasporic honoring that doesn't have to all take a place in one place, but it's like also very meaningful. I just want to share like one piece of the ways that we kind of aesthetically created this guide. The front cover is an adapted cover from the underground Yiddish newspaper Jugend Stimme, Voice of the Youth, um, which was distributed in the Warsaw Ghetto. And the Yiddish caption, which is on the original newspaper, says, reads, fascism must be smashed. And so we kind of took that design and then put Jewish anti-fascist Shabbat on top in 2019. And so kind of just like starting from that place of really anchoring it in a history was something that was really important to us for this guide. It's full of just songs, stories, ritual, art. We got some memes. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the big ideas was like we wanted, especially at that time, I think it was 2019, where there was already a lot of talk about like anti-fascism in the US and like we wanted to just like really like remind Jewish people like, hey, we've actually been in this anti-fascist fight for a long time, like as Jews. And like, we actually have like a very important place within this movement. So yeah, like Naomi said, like bringing in the histories of our anti-fascist struggle as Jews felt like a really important way to, to anchor our continued visioning. And the guide kind of goes through the rituals so blessing the candles is where we talk about confronting oppression blessing the children is where we talk about dispelling shame blessing the wine is all about cultivating joy later we talk about the meal which is like learning from our community blessing the hollow we talk about creating a nourishing present and possible future and then blessings after the meal is where we talk about like engaging in further resistance so we really try to break it down and make it as obvious as possible that we see these ties in our ritual itself Ami, I want to ask you one more thing. So you you have another piece that you contributed to Offense Around the Torah called We Are the Disloyal Ones. Can you talk about the piece, both the graphic and the poem, and why you were interested in talking about this concept of disloyalty? For sure. Thanks for asking, Mark. Pretty much, I guess it was 2018, I think, when Trump said, I think something along the lines of like, Jews are disloyal for voting Democrat because like the Republicans I think are the ones who are actually supporting Israel and I think the implication was like Jews are disloyal to America and like that at least that was how I heard it and I heard that and I was like 
I think everyone was like really freaking out about it because it was like one of the first times where, you know, this concept of like what is Jewish loyalty is like a big aspect of Jews being safe in a society. And and that's been something that's been questioned throughout our history in Eastern Europe and different places for Ashkenazi Jews. But I also kind of heard it as like this excitement of Trump saying like, we're disloyal. I was like, yeah, like we are disloyal to this country. At least that's what I hope. Like, and we are disloyal to you, Trump. And like, we are disloyal to Israel. And again, like from that place of like disloyalty is where we find who we truly are instead of having to fit into like, what does American society want from me? Or what does like Israel, the state want from me? Or what does Trump want from me? So I made this poster that says disloyal and the oi in disloyal is like kind of uh, a different color from the rest of the word. So it brings us into that like Jewish feeling. And then there's like a poem I wrote of like all of these different ways that we are disloyal that like calls in a lot of different Jewish practices and holidays. Like, yeah, we are the ones who wrestle with God whenever we dream while we stand and pray, we ask our ancestors, not your armies, to gather and shield us. So bringing us into like before the Na'avot section of the Amidah, like we're asking our ancestors to be our shield and be our strength. And yeah, in the end of the poem, it says together our beauty turns your curses into blessings, Matovu. And that brings us into the story of the magician who was asked to curse the Jews. And then he goes to see the Jews and instead of Curses come out of his mouth, blessings come out of his mouth, and that matovu, what good? So I wanted to like have this feeling of like, oh, we're gonna hear you, but we're gonna take this thing that you said about us and turn it actually into our greatest strength. And again, from that place, we'll find what we actually are loyal to, which is to, you know, the things that we said in I said in this poem and our liberation and our sense of self and agency. And one of my favorite lines from the poem is. We are the ones who reject your calendar so we can grow with the waxing and waning of the shimmering moon. Naomi, I have one more question for you. You work here at the museum. Um, can we <laughs> like talk about that? Like, what, what do you do here at the museum? And what does it mean to be artist in residence here? And also, I'm just kind of curious, what is it like for you as a rebellious anarchist young Jew working at a Jewish museum, like a like a Jewish institution, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious to, to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm the community artist in residence at the museum. At the museum, that means I'm doing a lot of design work, a ton of graphics, planning, interesting programming that centers art, and also just trying to find ways to bring more art into our programming to engage more people. And honestly, one of the Things that's most powerful about my job is that I get to show the Jewish community how art and culture can be such a powerful tool in shifting however we want. And so for a lot of the people on staff at the museum, we're really trying to push the museum to be more focused on diversity, inclusion, on transforming the world and social justice. And so I get to be a part of using art and culture to move those ideas. Well, is there anything else either of you want to say before we wrap this up? I think we're both just really grateful that our work got to be showcased in this way. I think we're always a little unsure about who and and what we're engaging and who's seeing our stuff. And so it's been a really cool opportunity to know that tons of people are at least for the either for the first time or being reminded of, of Jewish anarchism. 
anything to add on me? No, thank you so much for just caring about our little idea. <laughs> it's been a joy to watch it bloom and to see the people it brings us into connection with. So um, it's been nice to get to know you, Mark, as well. It's been good to get to know you too. Love and rage. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've been speaking to Naomi and Ami Weintraub. Naomi Weintraub is an artist and educator currently working as a community artist in residence here at the Jewish Museum of Maryland. And Naomi also is production assistant on this podcast. Ami Weintraub is a teacher, organizer, and writer. They are a rabbinical student in the Olive Ordination Program and founded and runs Ratzon Center for Healing and Resistance. Naomi and Ami, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Disloyal. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'd love to hear your feedback. Our email address is disloyal at jewishmuseummd.org. You can follow us on Twitter at jewishmuseummd or on Instagram at jewishmuseum underscore md. And if you're in Baltimore, come visit. Go to jewishmuseummd.org for more information and to become a member if you're interested in supporting content like this podcast. Visit offensearoundthetorah.com to check out our latest art exhibit. Disloyal is a production of the Jewish Museum of Maryland and is produced and hosted by me, Mark Unnery, with production assistance from Naomi Weintraub, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's community artist in residence. Our executive director is Saul Davis. You can subscribe to Disloyal wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes each Friday. Until next time, take care.